The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I have a treat for you today. Uh, we're, we're all sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> it's not looking like it's getting... <laughs> going to be much well it's not looking like we can depend upon the uh leaders of the world to fix that we have to depend upon ourselves and my guest today Dr. John DiMartini is someone who is going to be able to help you take control of your mind which will then help you to take control of your body because your mind can make you sick and old or healthy and young now which one would you like don't think that you don't have to make a choice because, in fact, your mind is making one for you every minute and it's affecting your body and affecting whether you do look sick and old or healthy and young and feel that way. So why don't we um, find out uh, how to use the power of your mind to heal your body and to, uh, to, to help you reach your best potential. So let me welcome to the show Dr. John Martini. He is um, a world-renowned authority on the power of the mind to maximize our potential, and who doesn't want to do that? So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Carol. Um, before we start, before you start sharing all of your incredible wisdom with us, um, I would like to I would like you to ask you to give sort of a background because I, that you know your own personal history makes all of this so much more impressive and meaningful because it's um you know people we're we are all more apt to believe somebody who we know has been there you know and has gotten himself um out of a lot of the kinds of problems or similar problems that we're all facing it's not like you just sort of made all this up in theory um or adopted other people's theories but that you really sort of learned this from your own experience so could you share some of that well, I don't know how far back to go, but um, being born I, on uh, Thanksgiving Day will do. <laughs> <laughs> I was born on Thanksgiving Day. I think that's my destiny to be grateful. But I, um, I had some challenges as a young one. I had to, my foot was turned in and my hand was turned in. I had some deformities. I had to wear some braces to clear up. Then I was uh, in first grade. I was told by my teacher I would never be able to read, write, or communicate. Never mount thing. Never go very far in life. I ended up dropping out of school. Ended up living on the streets and hitchhiking to California, actually, from Texas. And um, kind of lived as a hippie surfer um, street guy for quite a while. And then almost died when I was 17, um, right just, just before 18. And uh, as a result of that, and the kind of recovery from that, I met an amazing teacher who inspired me to do what I'm doing today, which is traveling the world and teach. 
Well, so now, um, um, I, I wanted to, to ask you about that. When you, you almost to, died from having uh, strychnine poisoning. How did you get strychnine poisoning? Well, back in the early late 60s, early 70s, we were trying to expand our consciousness okay. through uh, herbal means, you might say. And there was a, a plant over in Hawaii that I was consuming that uh, had a toxic element in it. Huh. And it accumulated, and that uh, I was about three and a half days unconscious because of it. Wow! And do you remember um, what happened in this near-death experience? Well, I had about three and a half days that I don't, but uh, before and after, I remember. Um, yeah, I definitely. I started having cramps in my fingers, my toes, and it kept moving from the distal regions of my fingers and toes up into my wrist and ankles and into my knees and elbows and it started going up and eventually it stopped my diaphragm so mm. I um I couldn't breathe so that was the that was the luckily a lady found me and helped me so that was uh, if it wasn't for her I wouldn't be here let's put it that way hmm. but I mean did you sort of have some of the things that some people talk about with near death experiences where um I mean the white light the tunnel and it being all peaceful and happy you know I didn't I can't say that I I just um, was so focused on trying to get a breath and trying to focus on the cramps and spasms that I wasn't seeing a white light uh, when I was going in, in the consciousness. And when I was out of consciousness, I wasn't aware of anything. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't say I had any mystical experience. It wasn't until I, uh, shortly after that that I met the teacher that that night I had a mystical experience and saw a vision of what I would love to do and uh, what I felt was my destiny. Well, tell us about that. that. How did experience. you? How did now? This was Paul Bragg, and how did he? How did he um, help you to see this vision, or, or was it on your own, or how did this happen? Well, what happened is I walked into a little uh, room on the Sunset Recreation Hall on the North Shore of Hawaii at the time, and he was there with thirty-five students, young people, and I walked in, sat down, and uh, sat on a little towel, and. He started speaking, and he talked about the body, mind, and soul, and he talked about human potential, and he he said that uh, your your mind must your body must be guided by your mind, your mind must be guided by your soul to maximize your potential and awareness, and that uh, you have something extraordinary to do. And he lectured for 45 minutes, and just I was spellbound. I was like, whoa, I've never heard anything like this. And then he gave me and everybody there about 10 minutes to think about what we wanted to dedicate our lives to, a cause, a mission. And I just stared and thought, God, what do I want to do? And I scanned my life, and what popped in my head was I would love to do something like he's doing. I'd love to inspire people and, and do something with my life, because I was told I would never meet, you know, amount to anything. So I thought, God, I'd love to do something and make a difference in people's lives. And then he took us through this meditation experience, and during that meditation I saw a vision of me speaking in front of mm. about a million people, and I thought, wow, and I was brought to tears, and I was just sitting there crying and tearing for about 15 minutes with this vision. Hmm. And that was 37-plus um, years ago, and here I am now trying my best to fulfill that. So I've been working on it ever since. Wow. And, of course, uh, that must have seemed, I mean, it must have been some cognitive dissonance that here you, you have this vision of yourself speaking to a million people, and yet you're 17 and you know what what was predicted for you. Well, I just assumed I was going to make uh, surfboards and help Dick Brewer make surfboards at Country Surfboards because I was hanging out there all the time and just doing whatever he wanted me to do kind of thing and was just surfing every day, and I just assumed that was my destiny. And that night, meeting Paul Bragg, it shifted big time. 
I never read a book from cover to cover until after I meeting him. And um, my diet changed. I started meditating. I started doing yoga. I started fasting. I he told me that that would help me uh, overcome my strychnine poisoning because I was pretty spastic. And I I took uh, classes from him for a few weeks, and uh, and then I ended up coming back and taking a GED, a high school equivalency test, and trying to get into college. And I and I I passed that by guessing, and I took a college ca- class and test and guessed and made it and. On my way, I started learning how to learn and became a scholar over time. Yes, it's an amazing, amazing story. So, um, so, so then, so then, how did you, so what are, why don't we, I guess, um, now that we know how you got here and that you do have this passion for sharing all of this information, why don't I let you start sharing it? Um, Tell us about the healing mind and, and all of this, you know, soul to mind to body. Well, you know, I, uh, because I had that neurological, because strychnine damages the neuromuscular system, uh, that led me into chiropractic eventually after mm-hmm. about 10 years of schooling. I, was, I went on to be a doctor of chiropractic, and then I, I just wanted to know everything and anything about healing, anything about physiology, anything about the psychological correlations, and I started compiling clinically in my practice, by the time I got in practice, uh, amazing correlations uh, on mind-body. And um, I, I had a team of five doctors working for me. Eventually, we were documenting things, and I was very fascinated. I'm, I'm, one thing I'm convinced of now is that the physiology, creating its signs and symptoms, is doing everything it can as a feedback system to guide our consciousness to live authentically and to be inspired and purposeful. And, um, you know, the physiology, I'm working on that as I'm speaking here before I, you, this call started. I'm, I'm working on literally enzymes and physiology cell functions on how that works. And it is extraordinary. We are without a question been provided with an amazing physiology to guide us to live, I mean, absolutely amazing lives. And we just need to know how to decode it and learn how to do it. And the healing mind is my attempt to share those Codings and what that the the body's trying to reveal. Well, um, well, when you let me just go back a bit. When you said that um, you were doing these experiments on yourself, and I mean that was sort of the beginning of of um, putting together this body of work on on how the body is showing us, you know, how to become more authentic and so on. Well, what started uh, when I was eighteen, and I started to I returned to, to school and tried to go to college. I um, was in the library at uh, Wharton where I was going, and I found Gandhi's memoirs, and it was in uh, his handwriting, and then it translated, uh, purported over into English, and it was multiple volumes, and I sat there, and I realized this guy, Mahatma Gandhi, was the most self-analytical individual I'd ever seen or heard of, and he documented everything he ate, everything he thought, every time he felt, what was going on in his mind. And I started doing that. So I spent two years documenting literally everything, uh, what was mind and body related, food related, thought related. And I was kind of this neurotic uh, document uh, journalist uh, to give me a start. And while I was studying physiology and and uh, anything to do with the physiology and cell functions, etc., and of course later in pathology, and so I, I just, it's just accumulating. And then what, when I got the doctors in there, I, I needed their help to assist me in getting uh, raw histories and information on people psychologically and also, um, you know, injuries and things. 
to try to put together this this puzzle. And right now I'm working on a book. Uh, it's about I think it's got about 1,700 conditions in it, and the correlations between the physiology, the hormones, the emotions, uh, what psychologically might be underlying some of these things, and drawing them into our lives. Hmm. So, um, so you were sort of looking at. Well, from your own two years of having done that, what conclusions did you come to from that? Oh, many, many conclusions. I I found out that uh, from a dietary perspective, the more foods I ate, the more food I wanted to eat. Hmm. And the more I moved towards a mono diet where I only ate one thing, I I never overate. Uh, The body received a certain number of elements that would then say it's satiated in the hypothalamus and said, okay, we've got enough. And if I diversified, I um, I diluted that, and so the hypothalamus said, um, you know, we haven't got enough yet sometimes. And then what would happen is the multi-diet would tend to make us overeat. And it's just like if you go to a smorgasbord, you tend to overeat than if you just go and have right. uh, a bowl of carrots or something. Right. And, and so little things like that. Then I found certain food combinations uh, tended to activate certain feelings, certain blood sugar responses, uh, even certain thoughts. So uh, there were certain compounds, and I looked into what the compounds in these foods are to see if there was a trigger to certain enzymes or or hormones or transmitters, and uh, found some interesting correlations. I, I, I could, there's too numerous to just give in well, a few well, minutes. Well, it's, it's, too numerous. We, it's too numerous to do in the next 10 seconds because we do need to take a break, but we will come back to that after the break. My guest is Dr. John Martini. He is um, a world-renowned authority, as I'm sure you can tell so far on mind, body, and spirit. We're talking today about how your mind can make you sick and old or healthy and young. And we'll be back uh, after we take this break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. 
www.drcarol.com. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about how your mind can make you sick and old or healthy and young with my guest, who is an expert on the subject, as we have just heard. Uh, his name is Dr. John Demartini, and he is a world-renowned expert on body, mind, spirit. Today we're talking about the healing mind in particular, and there's so much to talk about. It's like uh, it's one of those buffets that you, <laughs> that you mentioned. Um, but one of the things that intrigues me is what you were starting to talk about, which is how the symptoms, um, each symptom has a message for us, if we knew what they meant, to tell us how to become the most significant you or us. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about that? Well, yeah, I, can I hear a couple stories maybe? Sure. You know, I had a lady, a young lady, who came in my office a number of years ago who was having this amazing psoriasis rash between her fingers. And um, she just says, no matter what I do, that just doesn't go away. You know, can you help me? And I asked a history, and I asked her, you know, when did this start flaring up, and how often does it flare up? When did it first occur in your life? Da, da, da. And I narrowed it down by asking questions, because, you know, the quality of your life is based on the quality of the questions you ask. And we discovered, to make a long story short, we discovered that, the first time it ever happened, she was dating a guy that she was really infatuated with and really imagined herself wanting to be with, and then he ended up dumping her, and when she did, uh, she started having uh, this rash, and then it went away gradually over the next month, and then it came back about three years later, and the same thing occurred. And we found out that every time she was having a guy that was about to leave her, um, or another relationship that would break up and wasn't working, and they would leave her, and usually they left her, um, she felt that somehow she was afraid that they were going to slip through her fingers. Mm. That was the language. Her verbal language was exactly that. Mm. And when she said that, this light bulb went on, tears came to her eyes, and she goes, oh, my God. Uh And I said, exactly. Your, your, Your language, your linguistic expression is revealing subtly 
sometimes what's going on inside the psyche, and a Freudian slip, if you want to call it that. But she was afraid that I, I just don't want him to slip through my fingers again, and these things would break out every time these things were occurring. Hmm. And uh, once we actually sat down and wrote down what were the drawbacks if he had stayed yeah. and the benefits of him leaving, where she didn't feel like she had lost anything, didn't feel an anxiety about it, didn't have difficulty sleeping, holding on to the fantasy, it was gone. I mean, in hmm. three days, it started clearing up. In a week, it was not even you no know, signs at all, and it hadn't been back. So she then learned that she had associated that physiologically. Then I had another lady who had a young daughter uh, who came into the office, and she ended up having her husband and her divorcing, and there's a bitter divorce. And she came in, and she had a rash around her neck. And it was this blotchy red rash around the neck that looked like finger marks on her neck. And it was really quite interesting, as we were probing the history and getting information, the time it would break out is in the morning, around 07, 7.30, And we found out, tracing further, that every time it broke out is the time that she was carpooling with another her daughter's friend, and her daughter's friend had a mother that looked almost identical to the woman that her husband left for. Hmm. And, oh, and she, she wanted unconsciously to wanted her. to choke that bitch, as he, she <laughs> said it when we came out. And the marks on her of her neck were finger marks of a of two hands choking a neck. Wow. I mean, these are kind of samples that are quite interesting um, correlates that we you know we read and into. Then we had another lady, I could go on for hours on this. Then we had another lady who had end up was rushed into a hospital because she was choking and couldn't swallow and had fluids in her mouth and throat and just couldn't swallow and it was she was choking. And they, they had to put an injection to calm the muscles in it. Uh they called me from the hospital, her her rest of her family, and uh, you know, I tried to get some information from her when she could finally speak after the sedative for the muscles. Um and we found out that her sister, who she despised and hated, was at the dinner table. And as she said, and this is our quote here, she says, that old pill, that old bitch, she was just dissing out a bunch of crap, and I just couldn't swallow it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the moment that occurred, and she was so angry at her sister for what she was saying and humiliating her, that that's when her throat chalked up. And that's how she got more attention from her sister at the dinner table. And uh, so there's some amazing things that our physiology does to reveal what's going on in our well, perception. I'll tell you one, uh, one that I, that I had in my own experience. Um, years ago, I was doing some expert, well, at that point, it was, um, was, a, it was called like uh, an, uh, evaluations of sorts for workers' comp. I did it for a few years in the early 90s. And uh, I st- when I started doing it, um, I worked for this what was called an applicant firm, meaning the people who, uh, meaning that you were supposed to be finding on the side of the people who uh, were claiming that they had all of this work stress. And I started doing it. I did it a couple of days a week. It was a great thing, one or two days a week. It was a great thing to be able to do because while I was doing many other things, so it, so I could have a more flexible schedule. And after a while, I started getting. Um, uh, my eyes would become inflamed as I was driving there. I would get all of these, you know, red blood vessels um, that would look like they were inflamed in my eyes. And I, it didn't take too long for me to interpret that as um, that I didn't want to see 
the fact that these people were really exaggerating or just plainly lying about all of this emotional, alleged emotional stress that they were having at work in order to get money through the workers' comp system. So I quickly stopped, and my eyes overnight uh, got better. Well, you know, I'm convinced watching people that there's always an unconscious motive and uh, these unconscious motives, sometimes we don't, we, you know, obviously we're not aware of them, but they're, they're, they're creating our symptoms to try to wake us up to what, our, what we're thinking, what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, many people who even claim that they want to get rid of their symptoms actually keep creating their symptoms to get results that are unconscious. Like what? And uh, I, I have another story if I have a moment to yeah. do it or do I have to, if we had a break point. Go ahead. No? Yeah. I had a lady with diabetes that came in. And uh, she was in a wheelchair, and she had this uh, African woman that was uh, Afro-American woman that was her nurse that wheeled her around, took care of her, bathed her, did everything. Uh, she was starting to go blind. She was having to do insulin regularly. Da da da. And uh, when she came in the office, I I did an exam. I did the full workup, and I then sat with her on a report of findings. And I said, "Listen, I I'm certain that I can help you." Um, not so much cure the disease, but definitely help you function and, and do things that you're way beyond what you're doing right now. And as I was giving her what I thought was going to be great news, she just looked down and wouldn't look at me. Hmm. And I thought, she's like, she's despondent over this great news. And I thought, well, maybe I'm overly enthusiastic and she's hmm. not believing it or what. And I, but I really, I'd had such great results with I just knew I could help her. And then finally she spoke up because I said to her, I said, you know, you don't seem to be very excited about this this. Uh, prognosis here. Yeah. She said, you know, Dr. Martin, you know that woman out there in the reception room? And I said, yeah. I said, she's my closest loved one. She knows everything about me. She's been with me for a number of years. If, if I get well and I go back and I function, I lose my most important loved one. Mm. I, I, I can't do that. I have to, I, I, I can't go through this treatment. Huh. And she willed herself out of there. <gasps> and I and I was just, I sat there with kind of a, a an open mouth and I was kind of shocked and I and I thought, wow, here's an unconscious motive coming to the surface. Now, she was going around to doctors just really to get diagnosis so she could get disability. Huh. And uh, she wasn't really interested in getting results and getting uh, being accountable because every decision that a person makes is based on what they think will give them the greatest advantage over disadvantage, greatest reward over risks. And if they think being sick will give them more advantages and disadvantages, they'll go that route. Yes. I've seen people gather, the only way to gather their family is to get to terminal illnesses, and their family comes back to them. Yeah. There's amazing things that people will do unconsciously to get their outcomes. Yes, it is really true. Um, and it's sad because obviously people are killing themselves in the process. Yeah, but, you know, in, in their mind, they perceive in many cases that that's better than continuing. I'm amazed that they have sometimes fantasies about how life's supposed to be that doesn't match their reality, and they think, well, I'd rather check out than face this. And um, and then they also think that that's the only way to get there, to be the hero, or to get the family attention, or or to get the economics. I mean, I had a lady that had four car accidents in one year, hmm. so and she was getting on average between twenty and twenty-five thousand dollars a car accident. She made a hundred thousand a year doing car accidents. Yes, yes, I've seen that too. Yes. Um, you, you know, do you, are, we're probably going to be running out of time soon, but I'm wondering if you've noticed that this is an increasing phenomenon, what you were just talking about, about people 
wanting, you know, having an idea of what their life should have been like, getting to a point and thinking that uh, it's too late to make it be like their fantasy was, and then, you know, grieving and, and uh, uh, getting cancer, for example, because of the depression that can, that can well, really it, it lowers the immune system and can make them vulnerable to lots of things, but um, to where something where they actually do, uh, they don't, you know, they don't take an overdose or take a knife to themselves, but it is as if they did that. Well, everybody has a set of values, and anything that supports their values, you know, stimulates the dopamine and oxytocin and a few other chemical compounds and the transmitters, and anything that challenges it tends to create prolactin and substance P and other, other polypeptides, and we're literally responding to our perceptions based on our values, and um, anything that we think is going to help us get our values fulfilled even if it's real or imagined, we can get addicted to, and we can get addicted to fantasies and then compare our life to it and feel unfulfilled. And I always say that the ABCs of negativity, which is anger and aggression, blame, feelings of betrayal, criticism and challenge, are byproducts of comparisons of our current reality to fantasies and delusions that we're addicted to. Hmm. And as long as we do that, we'll create signs and symptoms in the body to try to set us free of that, but if we don't know how to interpret it, we'll just keep getting in a cycle of a dopamine addiction. Oh, well, boy, we need to take a break, but I really would like to go back to that because um, because I think that that sort of describes where so many of us are at, you know, and, and I mean, I think it's coming to the fore, especially because of the economic times where we're a lot of fantasies, I mean, fantasies people had, for example, of holding on to their house are not coming true. Well, we do need to take another break. Um, my guest is Dr. John Martini. I will give you information at the end about how you can reach him and all kinds of exciting things that he's doing. Um, we're talking today about how your mind can make you sick and old or healthy and young and how to use your mind to heal your body. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? 
Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, trying to uh, enlighten you more today with my guest, Dr. John Martini, who is a world-renowned healer, essentially. Um, and during the break, we were just talking about that. You know, Dr. Martini travels around the world, and um, which is actually what I uh, hope to <laughs> hope to do once I finish this next book. Um, speaking and and but what you were just starting to tell me um, is that it seems like you also actually see patients in places when you're traveling to give talks is that right well what happens is i i have i keep a busy schedule because I, I i tend to get in trouble if i don't keep busy i'm, I'm joking hmm. uh... so what i do is when i'm in between my speeches and my media um, interviews i sometimes do consulting and individual work with people and um, I do that pretty well regularly, in fact. And and I get the opportunity to get some interesting cases. I, I could tell you, I, I'd like to share one, if you don't mind. Yes, we were, the one you were just starting to tell me about. I'd like yeah, to and I've got another one that popped up. I mean, okay, sure. Up, but, but I had a lady with lupus that her son asked me to see her the other day in, uh, in Australia. And, I, and when I chatted with her, she, like, Unlike any human being, I mean, everybody has moments of up and down and happy and sad and this kind of thing, but she refused to acknowledge any sadness or any negative or anything in her life that was any negative thing. And I just kind of looked at her and I go, you want me to believe this? I mean, this is kind of like delusional. Right. And, uh, but she was breaking out with a lupus rash and butterfly rash on her face and having other autoimmune reactions, which is usually a self-shame and self-depreciation reaction, an antibody against ourself. And what's interesting is that uh, she just refused to do it. So I figured, well, I got nothing to lose here. I'm not getting anywhere with her. So I might as well just do what I can to piss her off to uh, bring out some stuff and see if I can initiate it. And she just didn't want to go there. She was wanting to put on the facade that everything is happy. And and I was trying to explain to her that your body, you, you know, you can hear, I can hear that in your words, but your body is revealing a lot more. Yeah. And your body won't lie, but your words will. Anyway, I finally got uh, a few things out. And then... You know, the greatest success of my time with her is that she got so mad at me, she mm-hmm. let it out. She got so mad that what? She let out what was really inside. Uh-huh. So I did my job, even though I didn't care about if she liked me. I just right. thought my, I was trying to get out what was inside her. And? and it was really quite quite interesting finally getting it out of her, and out it came. And then I could be the bad person, and she could outlet uh, what's inside her. Right. Yes, I like to do that, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and? Well, I mean, I haven't seen her since, except I got an email from her son, and her son uh, said that uh, well, what she hasn't stopped talking her? about you. <laughs> her son said what? She said, I haven't, he said that she hasn't stopped talking about me. <laughs> but, I mean, well, what did she blurt out? Well, she she started saying, you know, you're just like so-and-so, and you just reminded me of my dad, and I, oh, it came, you know? I see. 
So I knew it was in there. I mean, I'd done it long enough to dime, so I had to bring it out and let her come to the surface with it. And, uh, you know, I don't like to bring out the angers that are buried in there without coming up with asking her, well, how did it serve on the other side? Because it's not wise to leave them that way. It's just wise to bring it out. Right. So I helped her see that, you know, when your dad was mean to you, who was over nice to you? And when he was mean to you, did you get independent? What was the benefits? And I helped her see the other side of the equation. Hmm. Because people like to play victims of their history instead of masters of their destiny. Hmm. So, so you got her to participate and say, like, for example, her mother was nice to her when her father yeah, was... Yeah, well, her mother was the overprotector and the mispeace person, and, uh, and the father was the aggressive, you know, person that was telling her what to do because no one was giving her, a t- you know, a, a guidance, if you will. So I, she didn't understand that, that life's not designed to be all positive, peaceful, you know, this sweet little uh, fantasy world. It's designed to have both, both sides of life. When she finally saw that, then there was a little bit of an eye-opening, so... Now she realizes she calls me the nice guy that was mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that's actually what I was talking about at the end of the last segment about whether you're seeing more about this because um, some of the dreams, I mean, there are all kinds of dreams and fantasies that we have when we're young. And it's, it, I always ask about that. Um, you know, what I ask about what the person's favorite fairy tale uh, was when they were growing up. Um, and you typically have the woman who, uh, you know, <laughs> wanted to grow up and marry a rich prince, um, or just all kinds of other scenarios. Um, or you ask, what, what did they want to be when they were going through uh, elementary school or high school? What, what did they want to be? And so many times it's something that along the way they had to or they decided to um, give, they chose to give up for something else. And, and, of course, that unfulfilled dream is still really bothering them and I guess is coming out in some of the illnesses um, that you see. Well, what I've observed in studying this is that, that human beings, any time they have any form of a lopsided perception that they perceive uh, having more positives than negatives or more support than challenge or more pleasure than pain or the opposite, more pain than pleasure, more negative than positive, more challenge than support, any time there's a memory of that that's lopsided, it stays in the mind until it's been brought into equilibrium. So anything that you're infatuated or resentful, anything that's a fantasy or a nightmare will haunt your mind and not let it be free until you ask the right question to reveal the other side to liberate it. Like what? Well, if you're infatuated with somebody, if you don't find the drawbacks and bring it out of the infatuation and put it back into reality, then you're going to keep living in the fantasy and get crushed by it. And if you're resentful to somebody, you're going to keep manifesting that same type of person in a different form until you finally see it balanced and finally see that it's actually strengthening your independence. So you've you got to see both sides if you want to be liberated. Otherwise, you're seeing a half-sided world, and uh, you're not seeing the whole. Well, but... That, and I know that you have... Um, you give a course on... Um, is that part of your Demartini... What do you call that? Wait a second. The Demartini Method? Yes, the Demartini Method. Is that... Yes, the, the Demartini Method... Uh, is a series of questions that specifically reveal to the consciousness the sides that your intuition is trying to reveal and your physiology is trying to reveal to help you see the part you're ignoring in your awareness. Because uh, until you get beyond the the one-sided viewpoint of life and embrace the two sides of life, you're sitting in a delusion. So I basically help people reveal to them the two sides and the magnificence of both sides in a whole are far greater than any parts. Can you give us an example of that? Yeah, when somebody's infatuated, if they don't see the downsides, yeah. they're going to minimize themselves, 
tend to sacrifice what's important to them for the person, walk on eggshells, uh, basically have a dilemma, a moral dilemma in themselves, in themselves between what they want and what this other person wants, and then they're going to eventually find out that because they're minimizing, the other person's going to treat them the way they're treating themselves, and eventually probably leave because, you know, what's in it for them, and then they're going to end up being crushed, and then they're going to stand on their own two feet and grow. Yes. So instead of sitting and being infatuated with a person and being a doormat, it's wiser to see both sides and be an equal and have reflective consciousness. To be to sort of to bring those things um, to go out of your out of your fantasy and see and th- see both sides and then be able to make your decisions based on that. Yeah, but you look you, if you're living according to your own values, and when you subordinate to others, you inject their values into your life, and you then you have a moral dilemma inside you between what you think you should do from the outside and what you would love to do from the inside, and that's what creates the as Freud says the disease. The disease is those. Um, incongruencies between your decision processes and that holds that shows up as literal piezoelectrical activity inside the muscles and causes cellular dynamics to be altered i mean i've got it down to how the enzymes and genes are everything affected by this and and you were talking i wanted that reminds me that i wanted to go back to something that you mentioned before about autoimmune diseases about the body that really that that's representing self-loathing, essentially. Am I paraphrasing correctly? Well, the, 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 you know, when I first started studying autoimmune disease over 35 years ago, um, there were six conditions considered autoimmune. Now there's about 66 conditions, and it keeps growing, and now they're finding it almost involved in everything. So what happens is we set up fantasies and delusions about who and what we're to do, and then we don't live up to those fantasies, and then we end up self-depreciating. And that shame and guilt that we have as a result of that, between the way we're supposed to live relative to ourselves or others, tends to create a suppression of the immune system and antibodies against parts of our own self. We also, during the early phases of development, uh, the mother and the child interchange cells And some of the cells that if we have resentment to our mother in the womb because we feel we're unwanted or whatever, we can actually have antibodies build up against some other cells that are left in us as we go up later in life. So there's many different factors, but they're they're definitely immune and psychologically and hormonally related. Yes, that that is, boy, no wonder there's uh, so much more of an increase in these um, autoimmune-related disorders because there is an increase in in uh, self-loathing. There's certainly a lot of resentment towards mothers. <laughs> we need to take another break. Boy, this hour is going so quickly. My guest is Dr. John Demartini. I'll be telling you in the next segment how, can you, how you can find out more about him and where you can, uh, and his products and books and tapes and so on. And, and even if you're in the L.A. area, you're, uh, you're in luck because he's going to be giving some talks. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about how your mind can make you sick and old or healthy and young. And we've been talking with Dr. John Demartini, who is a world expert and who has been devoting his life, essentially, to helping people learn um, how to harness the power of the mind and the body um, and the soul. And let's um, talk about in this last segment the power of love and gratitude and healing because that's really you know that's and it's so ironic or so what predestined whatever you want to believe that you were born on thanksgiving day that you should uh be the teacher of how important gratitude is in our lives well i i I think that's somewhat true my my mother when i was four years old was putting me to sleep and she said son make sure you count your blessings um, and before you go to bed, make sure you think about what you're grateful for, because if you think about what you're grateful for, whatever you're grateful for, it grows. And uh, those that are grateful for their lives, they have more to be grateful for. So I was born on Thanksgiving Day, and um, one of my books called Count Your Blessings, The Healing Power of Gratitude and Love, was dedicated to my mother for that reason. Mm. And uh, I've got a book called The Gratitude Effect, and every book I've ever written uh, relates to gratitude, because I don't think there's anything more significant than that. I always say that gratitude is the key that opens up the gateway of the heart, and inside the heart is an amazing light and love that's ready to shine. And um, what it does is it window washes the mind and brings certainty and presence and inspiration and then enthusiasm to the body and brings order and organization and heals. Hmm. Well, I totally agree with you. Uh, boy, your mother was an early... Um... <laughs> She didn't know it, I guess, but she was an early prophet of all of this. Well, she was a Christian scientist uh, by her mother's side, 
And um, my father was somewhat of a philosopher, even though repressed and an engineer. And uh, so I guess I got both of their repressions, and I became the expressor of their repressions. Uh-huh. So tell us more about that, how, how to harness it. Well, you know, on a daily basis, I have, I mean, I, every day and definitely every night, I document what I have the opportunity to do. In fact, you were already on my list. Before I got on today, I already started typing up that I had the opportunity to go on your show. And um, so I document that, everything that goes on that I can be grateful for every day. And I have a huge list. I mean, if you can imagine 37 years of documents, wow. um, there's a lot. I mean, there's multiple in a day. Sometimes there's a whole page, sometimes a half a page, but there's, and that's 10-point timed Roman. So um, I document that, and I figure that's my way of having a journal and, Maybe it'll be a biography, a pictorial biography over time, but mm-hmm. but basically I, what I'm grateful for, and I found that if I'm grateful for things, a lot of things happen for me uh, it, because it, the energy of that makes the mind and the body and the soul clearer and a clear consciousness that's clear intended uh, manifests things more, and I find that that's the key, starting with gratitude. I think it opens the heart for love, and when you have gratitude and love, you got uh, the two most important things in life. Yes, well, I, I I do believe in, and I have. I, I must say, I don't. I'm not as uh, disciplined, I guess, as you in that I don't do it every day. But I did start a, a gratitude journal. It's been what about three years now, and I do write in it. As I said, not every day, but certainly uh, certainly more often than I was doing before three years ago. And I totally believe in this concept that um, you know that that it, it's it's like thanking that if you if you give something to someone and they seem very grateful for it you're going to want to keep giving more things to them uh, because you see how much of an impact it makes and uh, so I mean I, I think that's sort of an easy way of thinking about it that the however you want to think about it God the universe um, will keep rewarding you if you show it that you are grateful well I think what happens is um... Because we have a set of values, a set of priorities, things that are most important to least important, we seek that which supports that. But the thing is, is if we had nothing but support, we'd stay juvenile. We'd be a little baby getting everything we want. So the universe loves us enough, you might say, to challenge us and bring into our lives things that challenge us to make us grow. So when we finally realize that we're here not to avoid challenges, but to actually go out and find challenges that are in the world that we can solve and help, uh, we get the most support, and we get a balance of challenge and support. When we do, we have the most autonomic function in the brain and the body, and our physiology brings healing. And that, by definition, is what I call love and gratitude, when you really can see that both sides of life are necessary at the same time, and you get to embrace that balance. You love life. You feel like the universe is working with you instead of against you. Yes. And I think that attitude um, is a, is a universal opening for people, and I know that if people had only 24 hours to live, they would say, thank you, I love you, to the people who have contributed their lives. Mm-hmm. If I ask people by the millions how many people want to be loved and appreciated, they all say, me. Right. Right, absolutely. Um, well, why don't we, I want to make sure that we have enough time to um, to tell people more about, you know, where they can find out uh, how to get your books and your tapes and, and also tell people about, your L.A. talks, and maybe where you're going to go next. Well, I'm going to be speaking in Los Angeles. Today's the 12th. I'll be speaking in um, at Agape Church tomorrow night um, in um, Culver City, and then I'll be speaking at the Fairmont Miramar Hotel in Santa Monica 
on Thursday night at 7 to about 9, 9.30. Uh, I'm going to be in Las Vegas uh, Friday morning. I'll be back in Los Angeles over the weekend for um, the Breakthrough Experience program that I do, which is my signature program that I do around the world. And if they would like to get more information on those, they can just go to my Facebook, uh, Dr. John Martini Facebook, or they can go to my website, uh, drdmartini.com, and that's D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I. Or they can call my office at 888-DMartini. And if they'd like to get uh, information on the healing mind, uh, if they can't make that talk, they can go and we just have a new CD program that just came out just on that, and they can get that at the same locations. Um, and we've got lots of CDs and DVDs on the websites, and they can go to it. So I'm, I'm constantly on the go doing my, my thing, trying to speak and educate and inspire the best I can. Well, it's really, uh, I, I do recommend um, everyone to go to that, to the website, uh, drdmartini.com. I'll spell it again. It's D-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. Yeah, and um, we first met when I came to your one of your lectures in L.A., I guess a year ago or so. He's an incredible speaker, as you can tell from this show, uh, and he has so much more to share and teach you, and, and I really would recommend that you, uh, at the very least, go to the website and see all of the uh, CDs and books and DVDs that are available from there if you can't fly to L.A. or Las Vegas in the next few days to hear him. Um, this is all so important and so much, and is becoming or has become so much more important as uh, what the universe is giving us all of those challenges to uh, balance our our physiology um, in so many in so many personal and and uh, global kinds of ways that this work that you're doing is just so much more important than it's ever been really. So uh, I. I I really uh, thank you for coming on and sharing all of this. And, well, thank um, you. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, I'm I sorry. Love, what uh, you... I love sharing. As you know, I've been doing it 37 years plus, and uh, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. When you can't wait to get up in the morning and do what you love, then the universe opens up a lot of doors. Yes, and, and you know, it, when you have to realize, I mean, e- even your own personal experience, and I've had this myself, in times after meditating or writing in my gratitude journal, doing these kinds of things where I do feel more in flow with the world and the doors are opening in the universe, I feel like I'm in the flow of the universe. And then when you stop doing these things, it is definitely true that you feel uh, sort of out of touch. You know, it's so ironic because you think, oh, I have all this work to do in a limited amount of time and I can't, I don't have time for these things. But really, these are the most uh, important kinds of things to do because if you don't have your health or if you don't have... Um, if you're not in the flow of the universe, uh, then w- all of the things that you want to accomplish are, are just becoming that much more difficult to do rather than uh, taking the time and the discipline and the energy to do all of the things that uh, Dr. DiMartini has been talking about today. So, um, so I, would all, I, would, I can tell you from, from looking at his personal experience how you wound up in Hawaii with this Paul Bragg and, and just all the different things that set your life up to do what you're doing. And I think we all can, can look at that and, and identify with that and uh, realize, and I would like you all, my listeners, to, to do that today when, when we stop, uh, when we finish this program, which is apparently now, um, to think about what kinds of seeming coincidences have occurred in your life. Where did you wind up one day that it changed the course of your life? 
And uh, please, if you haven't done it yet, even though I've been mentioning this time and time again, please start a gratitude journal, and I'm going to be writing in mine again tonight. You've <laughs> you've made me remember just how important it is. So thank you all, and again, the uh, the website is drdmartini.com. And thank you, John. It's been wonderful talking with you again, and I hope to catch you the next time you're in L.A. All right. Thank you so much. Have okay. a great day. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.